You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So as we go through the middle of the fourth chapter of Yivamot, we're circling around the question of brothers and sisters. And we learned, actually, that you can't marry, if you're a man, you can't marry the sister of your divorcee. You can't marry this. You can't divorce your wife and marry her sister. And uh, a woman who performs chalitza is essentially in the same category as someone who's been divorced. So that's impossible. And the Mishnah is going to circle around now this question of brothers and sisters. And it's going to examine the question of someone who's waiting for chalitza but hasn't yet received it. Shomeret Yavam. The someone who's a shomeret yavam, someone whose husband had died and was waiting for Yibum, and his brother betrothed her sister. Let's just have a look at the picture to make this clear. So Alice is married to Alex. Alex dies. Bob must be the eldest because Bob is going to carry out Yibum for Alice or Chalitza for that matter. He can do Yibum or Chalitza, but he hasn't done anything yet. We're right, right after when we must be right after Alex's death. We don't know whether Bob is married or not. We know nothing about Bob, except that he's waiting to carry out Yibum or Chalitza with Alice. And he has a brother called Charlie. And what does Charlie do? Charlie goes and betroths Alice's sister. Alice has a sister called Charlotte. So now Charlie is engaged to Charlotte. Bob is waiting for Yibum with Alice. I guess if everything goes fine, Bob could do Chalitza or Yibum with Alice, and Charlie can go ahead and marry Charlotte, Alice's sister. But wait, what if something goes wrong? What if Bob dies? What if for some reason Bob's responsibility shifts to Charlie? Charlie will then be double involved with Alice and with Alice's sister, Charlotte. And we know you can't be, you can't have a marital relationship with two sisters. It doesn't work. So let's, let's get back. Now that's the picture. Let's just review the Mishnah now. So the brother of the Yabam, betrothed the sister of the Shomeret Yavam, the woman who's waiting for Yibum. Mishem Rabbi Yudah ben Batera, in the name of Rabbi Yudah ben Batera, this is not Rabbi Yudah in the Mishnah, this is a much, much earlier Rabbi Yudah, and he's authoritative. Omrimlo, in the name of Rabbi Yudah ben Batera, they say, Omrimlo, so they say to him, they say this to the to Charlie, who's, who's engaged this woman, Wait until your older brother will act. In other words, fine, you've married, you've engaged, you, you're betrothed to this woman, but you can't marry her until we, you, and we, you can't marry her until we see what your elder brother has done with Alice. If the brothers performed chalitza or married her, in other words, if Alice is taken care of one way or the other, he can okay. He can go ahead and he can go ahead and marry Charlotte. There's no problem. Once the question of Yibum is resolved, he can go ahead and marry Charlotte. 
But, and, and similarly, maybe Alice will die. And it's unfortunate to say this, but if Alice dies, again, the whole question of Yibum is a result. He can go ahead and marry Charlotte. But if Bob dies, if Bob dies, the responsibility goes on to Charlie. If the Yavam dies, he can't be connected to Alice's sister anymore. He's got this bond of betrothal. The only way of getting out of that is to give her a get. He has to give her a get. And then and he then has to perform chalitza with his brother's wife because he's he's connected to two sisters. He he can't carry out once he's he's once he's divorced, once he's divorced Charlotte with a get, he can't marry Charlotte's sister Alice. So both sisters become forbidden to him. So the only thing he can do is to give one of them a get and to perform chalitza with the other. And we can see it again in the picture on the source sheet. If Bob dies, Charlie can't possibly be connected to both of these women. So he has to give the first one a get. And then the second one, well, it becomes the sister of his divorce, of his of his divorced wife. And he can't marry the so you can't marry the sister of your divorced wife. So he has to perform Khalitsa with her. What about the time lag? And we talked about that Mishnah talks at the beginning of the chapter about the fact that if, you know, if the Yivama, if the widow of the deceased brother is found to be pregnant, it creates all kinds of uncertainty as to who the father of the child is. Because if the father of the child is her original husband, then the brother hasn't dialed childless. So there's no need for Yibum at all. But if she's carried out Yibum, perhaps the father is the new is the new husband. Well, it's an indeterminate state. It's an indeterminate state. What does the Mishnah rule? So now in the tenth Mishnah, the Yivama should neither perform chalitza nor be taking in Yibum until three months have passed. I.e., okay, let's just do a cooling off period of three months. And the rabbis, by the way, don't really recognize um, early term pregnancies in that are shorter than seven months. I, I mean, it's probably not a, a fetus that was more than three months premature is probably not viable in the time of the Mishnah. But also in terms of three months, a pregnancy is apparent at three months. So you can see both from a point of view of early term birth and from the point of view of the appearance of pregnancy. You can see why a three-month interval would be sufficient. So we don't do anything, neither chalitza nor yibum until three months have passed. But the Mishnah then goes on to talk about other kinds of marriage. And we've said before that the tractate of Yivamot is really outlining the boundaries of marriage, just as much as it's outlining the boundaries of yibum, of leveret marriage. And so it goes on to say, and similarly, all other women. And this is referring now, I think, to married women. So the, the expression isha or nashim here, I've translated as women, but I think we're really referring to wives or married women anyway. And similarly, all other married women. 
Yinasu velo it arsu should neither be betrothed nor married until three months have passed. So we're now talking about women who are who were married but have left their husbands. And with the Mishnah saying, look, if you've left your husband, you shouldn't get betrothed or married again for a three-month period. We have had the same three-month cooling-off period. And again, you can see that the rabbis are incredibly anxious. They're incredibly anxious about cases where forbidden relationships are suspected. And they want to put all the distance that they can. They want to put away all possible doubt. So this three-month interval is incredibly handy in terms of sending away doubt. So they go on to, the Mishnah goes on to say, It doesn't matter whether they're virgins or not virgins. Could you be a virgin divorcee? Well, perhaps you could. Remember that after betrothal, in order to break up a betrothal, you require a get. You require a bit of divorce. So you could be, if you're betrothed but not married, you could be a virgin divorcee. Um, whether they're virgins or not, same for widows, same for divorcees. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about marriage or betrothal. We still require the three-month interval. And according to Kahati, this is the halacha. According to Kahati, Rabbi Yudah said, Rabbi Yudah is going to bring a different view. Rabbi Yudah says, those that were married could be betrothed. So in other words, we don't need a three-month gap before betrothal. And those who were betrothed may be married. So if they were just betrothed and divorced, they can get married without the three-month interval. With the exception of the betrothed woman, the a betrothed woman in Judea, Somehow the halacha is different. The halacha is different for someone who's engaged in the area of Judah, in the area of Judea. Because his heart was full. Gas is a very odd Hebrew expression. It means to be full, but not full in a, in a, in a positive way. Gas is to be proud or to be haughty or to be overly familiar or to be over the top. His heart is full. It's not a it, it's not a positive statement. And there's a remark in the Gemara, which I thought would be sorry, is there's a remark in the in the Mishnah in Ketubot, which is worth looking at. Someone who eats at the house of his father-in-law in Judea. So we're talking about habits in Judea. And with this, this must be someone who's engaged but not yet married. So we're talking about someone who's betrothed, ha'arusa. Someone who eats at the house of his prospective father-in-law in Judea. Shelov edim, without witnesses. So he's sort of kind of, there's no one else there. He's unable to make a claim about virginity. He can't say, Later, this woman, this girl's not a virgin. Because he has secluded himself with her. I.e., somehow, if you live in Yehuda, there's sort of assumption that you might, um, uh, 
a couple that are engaged might have had a sexual relationship. That seems to be the assumption is geographical. And that's what Rabbi Yudah is saying, that generally those who are betrothed only don't need three months gap before they're married, with the exception if was if they live in Yehuda. And Rabbi Yossi says, Kol all women can be betrothed, chutz, with the exception of the widow, because she's going to be in a mourning period for, let's say, for a month. We wouldn't engage a widow in her shloshim. And I, I said, according to Kahati, the halacha goes according to the first opinion, but the Rambam says clearly, the Rambam does not accept Rabbi Yudha at all and his geographical distinctions. But rather like Rabbi Yossi. So the Rambam actually paskins like Rabbi Yossi. And then the Mishnah is now going to conclude with another brain teaser. Four brothers were married to four women. So four brothers are married to four women. And there's a fifth brother. So all four brothers have died. And the fifth brother apparently could perform Yibum with all four of them. And the Gemara objects, you know, this really is this this is not a recommended practice. Even having two wives is not recommended, but having four seems to be over the top. And uh, the, the, anyway, the Gemara is not completely comfortable with this idea, but it, strictly speaking, it's permitted in the Mishnah. Someone who's married to two women and died. So if someone was married to two women and died, Yibum or Chalitza with one of these, and this is a brother's Yibum or Chalitza, exempts her rival. And the Mishnah here refers to Biata, sexual relationship. Because the, and it's something we haven't discussed yet so far, but one of the principles that Mishnah goes by is that the, the Yibum is consummated, the Yibum is sealed actually when the marriage is consummated. The rabbis aren't very happy with this. That's why they institute the Ma'amar, the Ma'amar, giving a betrothal in advance of Yibum via, a, 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 via money or via a document. But in principle, if you like, Alpitorah, the, the sexual relationship itself seals the Yibum. And that's why either a sexual relationship or Chalitza with one of them therefore exempts her rival, because the, the, the command is to build up the brother's house. And you only need to marry one of his wives in order to build up his house. If one of them was el eligible to marry a priest, if he was going to do chalitza, he should do chalitza to the one that can't marry a priest. He shouldn't turn someone who is already able to marry a priest into someone who's divorced. If he if he contracts Yibum, he may contract Yibum with the one who is eligible to marry the priest. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>